Um, if you're in the city, uh, like like many of us are, uh, you will actually can get a same day delivery and even next day delivery, which is like super crazy. And when I first moved to Chicago, it like threw me off that I could order something and it's going to be here at four o'clock in the morning the next day. I'm like, oh, I could just wake up, go out on the front porch, grab it and we're good to go. So it's amazing and terrifying how quickly you can get packages now from Amazon. Uh, but kind of- Hey everyone, I'm Skylar. And I'm Gary. And this is the Nerds Inc. podcast. For those that are not watching on YouTube, just know that Gary and I are recording in the same space for the first time ever in Nerds Inc. podcast history. Very excited about it. Gary, my friend, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Uh, It's nice to finally be in the same uh, room and be in the same uh, vicinity doing the podcast yes sir welcome to chicago glad to have you you know the the city always loves having you around um today we're going to be talking about the streaming wars is what we have titled the episode but really this is just talking about the different options that people have when it comes to major streaming services right so we're talking about your netflixes your hulus um your disney pluses all that good stuff uh we'll be kind of talking about the different pricing options and then really where has streaming taken television and movies as we know it today? Yes. So, Gary, uh, when you think of kind of the, the different uh, streaming options today, um, what are your kind of initial thoughts? I think it's a lot of options right now, honestly. Uh, maybe too many options because, you know, as we're going to get into, it's a lot of the ones that most people utilize but then you have some of the smaller ones that not people, not a lot of people utilize, but still has some pretty good content on there. Yeah. Um, honestly, there's there's so many options nowadays. Everyone that I talk to about, oh, do you have Netflix? Oh, do you have HBO Max? Or is it called Max now? Or oh, do you have Paramount? Like, there's so many options now. It, it literally almost feels like kind of back in the day when your parents had Direct TV or Dish or some type of right. satellite service where you had these different channels and it's like, oh, did you watch it on Bravo? Did you watch it on TNT? Oh no, that was on USA. Like it literally feels like we just have all of these different channels now. So um, it's kind of crazy with all the options that we have today, but I think it's really important uh, that people kind of understand what might benefit them and kind of what they're enjoying watching the most, you know? Yeah. um, That's kind of what it's, I would say this is kind of like a double-edged sword Mm -hmm. because on one hand, you know, having all these options gives you much more variety. And as we're going to talk about later in the episode, like it gives creatives much more opportunities, but at the same time, uh, it is detrimental because you have so many options. You have so many different places that you can go and watch something like you will have three or four great shows on uh, Apple TV, but you have like two or three great shows that are on Netflix and you have four or five great shows that are on uh, Disney plus. It's just so much content to try to consume TV wise. Um, That's why it's called the golden age of TV at this point. Mm -hmm. And when you can think of when streaming services first initially came out, right? Like we know like Netflix was the first big one. Netflix went from, you know, mailing your family DVDs, box sets of all the, the classic yeah. shows that they liked to then eventually developing their streaming service. I believe it was really kind of starting to come out 2012, 2013 yeah. when we saw kind of the rise of Netflix. Um, what were your kind of like thoughts when, you know, Netflix first kind of unveiled this big streaming service? So at the time uh, I was working for DirecTV and that was kind of like the biggest competitor at the time. I was like, either get DirecTV or you have Netflix um, because no one was really caring for cable at the time. Like who really watched Comcast? <laughs> but um, when it came to like trying to, at the time, convince people, hey, you don't want to go to streaming. You want to stay with uh, Di- or DirecTV. The biggest thing was, well, with streaming, it was limited. You can only watch things after it's already aired. You know, at the time it was, streaming was where you went to binge watch your favorite shows um, that had already mm-hmm. finished its seasons or finished its run. Right. Whereas you needed cable to keep up to date with everything. Now it's kind of different where you, you pretty much get new content on these streaming services. Um, but it's come a huge, a really long way from that point where, you know, the uh, streaming services at the time, like I mentioned, was just taking, for example, uh, The Office. Mm-hmm. You could only watch The Office on Netflix unless you wanted to like 
just randomly watch it on what was it uh abc or something at the mm-hmm. time i think it was fox but it's like you could randomly watch it then however if you wanted to just binge through each season you went to netflix i think in 2019 uh netflix removed it from its uh, streaming service and moved over to peacock i believe mm-hmm. and yeah uh that's ne- from 2014, really, to 2015, we started to see a huge change in the demographic of how streaming was done. Because around that time, that's when Netflix started coming out with a lot of their original series. Um, and you started to see, they. it's funny, uh, Netflix had its own version called Max mm-hmm. at the time. And they would randomly choose whatever you whatever it felt like you would want to watch based off of your watch history. And a lot of times it would mention some of the uh, Netflix originals like uh, Orange is the New Black at the time or um, uh, House of Cards, things mm-hmm. like that. So it's interesting to see how things have changed and how Netflix it specifically has changed since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember Netflix being really great for opportunities to watch shows like Community, for shows like The Office, like yeah. you said. It was great because you could catch up with all these classic shows that you kind of grew up with, but you didn't really have time, whether you know you were in school or you were working, you didn't have time to kind of watch them at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock every night right when the new episode premiered. Right. So unless you bought the box DVD set or the box Blu-ray set, you didn't really have those opportunities to kind of sit down and, and binge your show. Mm-hmm. And that's why Netflix, I feel like, really blew up is because people love being able to binge watch those 30 minute sitcoms and then i think what really changed the game like you talked about and you even mentioned was netflix's first really big flagship show was house of cards uh featuring kevin spacey as frank underwood and then uh kind of the underwood family um these these kind of political giants right and i actually really enjoyed the show i thought it was like a great kind of political drama if you're into that sort of thing um but it's even like a great power struggle story uh that was the first show that netflix dropped the entire season at once and it like changed the game Mm -hmm. and from that point on we started getting really accustomed to netflix dropping these kind of full seasons of shows all at once so you could really kind of follow that pattern of like when you used to go on just to watch the office now you could do that with house of cards or you could do that with stranger things mm-hmm. um or kind of like any of these other big netflix shows and i think it really spoiled us yeah. because you know we grew up in that age where you had to wait a whole week you know for a new episode to come out and you had to sit through all the commercials and it was such a pain right and then what happens then netflix comes out they start dropping these seasons like they do and then we're like, okay, this is the future of television. This is what we want. Yeah. And then all these other streaming services kind of slowly started to come out of the woodwork, like Hulu. Um, and Hulu had you know some live TV options, which yeah. became um, a very interesting draw for people, especially if you wanted to kind of cut the cord with cable or yeah. do away with Dish or DirecTV. It was a more affordable option, and you could still stream your favorite shows. So I think really when all of this stuff was coming out, it was a really exciting proposition because you realized that you weren't going to go back to those days with commercials. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to go back to waiting till 9 p.m. on a Friday night or a Sunday night. Um, so it became very much on demand, mm-hmm. which same thing with podcasts now, right? Same thing with streaming music is that the beauty of this technology is that you can literally watch it and listen to it whenever you want, however you want at 3 a.m. in Tokyo or at 2 p.m. in rush hour traffic, um, yes. 5 p.m. rush hour traffic. Uh, so it is, it, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk more about that curse as we continue here. Right. Um, so we kind of talked a little bit about what our initial thoughts were when streaming kind of came out and what it's revolutionized. In your opinion, how do you think this has changed uh, television as we know it to today? That is actually a really good question. Um, I feel like... On one hand, honestly, no, I feel like this has actually been a really good thing overall. Um, there's very few negatives, but this is considered the golden age of TV. So we get, because there's so much content out there, it kind of forces everyone to kind of up their game every year. You know, um, for those of you who aren't in the industry or who aren't trying to get in the industry, between January and like March or April is considered a um, pilot season. And that's usually when um, studios or executives, they will look at a li- their list of different pilots that have come in either from writing competitions or been queried in and they will read over it and check to see, okay, is this something that we want to make? Is this viable for television? Is this going to put us on the map? And then between April 
in like June-ish, April and July-ish actually, they will actually film the pilot and they'll go through test screenings. And that's when it will actually just be in the process of getting made so that it can actually launch or release come uh, September, October of the year. That has kind of made it to where you can have a pilot season anytime because of streaming. Because now it's like, okay, we want to drop, for example, we want to drop Stranger Things in November. Okay, well, we want to look at pilots, let's say maybe around March. That way we can start filming around April, July-ish mm-hmm. at the latest. And then we want to have everything in post-production by September. That way we can finish editing in October and we can push it out. Or, hey, we want to drop a new show on Hulu come March. Okay, so in July, we want to start looking at pilots and then so on and so forth. So with streaming, it's made it easier to kind of go through the whole process of finding a show that you want to make, as well as casting and editing, post-production, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think now is a great uh Point so we can kind of dive into some of the pricing, right? Because we, I'm sure, are all very all too familiar with Netflix, especially being one of the big culprits of this kind of changing uh, the prices uh, it's of its monthly subscription and some of its yearly subscriptions. So very uh, briefly, we will go through each of these prices for some of these major streamers. Uh, if you weren't aware, now you'll know. Right. So we'll start with Netflix, of course, since Netflix is the OG of streaming. Uh, so their current. Uh, Monthly subscription with ads is six ninety nine a month. Yeah. Um, so their basic plan is nine ninety nine a month. Standard is fifteen forty nine a month, and premium is nineteen ninety nine a month. So kind of these different tiered plans, including ads, and then kind of once you go up from basic to standard to premium, it's how many streams do you want? So yeah. you know, a few episodes back, we talked about HBO becoming or HBO Max turning into Max. Uh, so now what's becoming kind of the norm, which is unfortunate to see, yeah. is these uh, streaming giants are like, okay, yeah, you know, you can you can pay the standard plan, but you're only going to get to watch this on one device. Mm-hmm. And as we know, in this day and age, we got smart TVs, we got laptops, we got tablets, we got smartphones. We have people that are watching across a multitude of different devices all across the country and the world. Yeah. So even I think just one household, even if it's like you and your spouse or or you, you know, and, and the kids, whatever, you you know that you're going to be streaming on more than just one device. So even like a standard home that doesn't have a large family is still going to need to stream on multiple devices. Well, then you're going to have to pay for the standard plan. Yeah. You're going to have to pay for the premium. And that is unfortunately where things like, you know, Netflix and even Max now are kind of taking advantage. Yeah. Um, I know for me, uh, I share a Netflix plan with my mom and sisters and we have to have the premium plan mm-hmm. because it's the only one that gives you at least, I think four streams yep. at a time. Four streams. Yep. And not only that, and we mentioned this in the previous episode as well, that one also gives you the uh, 4k option. All the other ones only the, they max out at 1080p, mm-hmm. which I think is highly disrespectful because a lot of the shows and things that are being pushed out on Netflix. Cause I would, I forget, I can't remember who exactly started this on Netflix. But they started filming a lot of their content in 4K. Mm, yeah. And so a lot of it, you're not going to get the same quality of uh, entertainment because the streaming quality that was originally um, shot is being downgraded if you're on like a standard definition of the uh, Netflix plan. Right. Like it really takes me back to like mobile carriers, right? Like if you have T-Mobile or if you have Verizon or AT&T, where like it used to be that you had to pay for a higher tier plan if you wanted 1080p. Because like the standard for like the longest time for a lot of mobile carriers and still some to this day, like probably with Cricket, is that, you know, no offense, Cricket. Please don't 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 take us to task for that. Uh, but like any you know kind of carrier is that you're going to be getting standard 720p, and like you notice, like I know it, it's still technically HD, but you can clearly tell if you're watching something that's in 720p versus 1080p versus like what uh, 2040, I think is like the new one now, yeah. or 2080. Um, so like the high def with 4K, there's such a clear difference there mm-hmm. that it like blows my mind that not only are they limiting us to streams now with these streaming giants, but they're also limiting to us to how many concurrent um, streams with quality you're going right. to get. I find it to be completely disrespectful, honestly. Yeah. 
Moving on to kind of another big streamer, as we have already talked about, but we will mention again, HBO Max becoming Max. So by the time this episode drops, uh, will actually be the same day that Max launches, which is May 23rd. <laughs> the episode comes out on uh, May 23rd. So. How could be? How could be? <laughs> this is not a celebration of, of Max because we've already talked about our thoughts with that. So don't, don't take this to the bank, Max. Right. Just saying. Um, but so uh, with Max uh, now debuting, their monthly tier prices are $9.99 with ads, and then which I think is like Max Light or whatever weird right. name they had. And then uh, with no ads, the first low option is $15.99. But then if you want multiple concurrent streams, you're going to pay $19.99 a month. <sighs> yeah. And all we can do is sigh. Exactly. Because this is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, moving on to another big streamer, and it's something that I think, honestly, out of all of the streaming options, it might not be the best as far as streaming te- its own original television and yeah. movies, but I think you get the most out of the subscription. I definitely is, get that. Yeah. It's going to be Amazon Prime. So with Amazon Prime, uh, as those who might already use Prime know, you get the benefit of uh, same-day shipping or um, uh, two-day shipping is kind of the standard, right? No matter where you live in the country, they guarantee two-day shipping for Prime members if you, you're you're having a Prime delivery. Um, if you're in the city, uh, like, like many of us are, uh, you will actually can get a same-day delivery and even next-day delivery, which is like super crazy. And when I first moved to Chicago, it like threw me off that I could order something and it's going to be here at four o'clock in the morning the next day. I'm like, oh, I could just wake up, go out on the front porch, grab it, and we're good to go. So it's amazing and terrifying how quickly you can get packages now from Amazon. Uh, but kind of the beauty of that is that you get that sh- excellent shipping, and then you also get the Amazon Prime video, which um, has these uh, great shows. Like I know like Jack Ryan is a big one right yeah. now, and they also have movies. Um, well, I don't know. What are your thoughts with Amazon Prime? Um, I actually love Amazon Prime. I don't use it as much for their original content mm-hmm. outside of uh, Invincible. Right, uh, Invincible, phenomenal. phenomenal. Um, uh, I started Jack Ryan a little bit, but I never really finished it. But outside of that, I only watch a lot of their original stuff. They're really good with giving you content that has already either been in theaters or has been on other streaming services or even been in right. other uh, networks and being able to watch it on there for free with your Amazon Prime membership. It's amazing. And uh, for those that are wondering, the monthly subscription cost for that is $14.99 per month or $139 a year. Uh, if you want just a standard Prime Video membership by itself and you don't want kind of the benefits of the, the shipping, uh, you can pay uh, $8.99 per month. Now, honestly, if we're looking at a difference, if you do pay monthly, uh, if you're looking at a difference between $8.99 and $14.99, I think it's it's kind of a no-brainer that of all of these streamers, you kind of want to get the added benefits. Yeah. However you feel about Amazon and Jeff Bezos, we completely understand. Yeah. But I definitely think that it, out of all of these, to pay what, like, you know, six, seven more bucks to get the shipping, it's, yeah. it's a benefit. Plus, the thing I like about Prime, um, and it's kind of also a draw because – with Prime, the only negative I have is that you can only set up two adult um, accounts and then one child account for the household. Mm-hmm. So it kind of limits you. Um, well, no, two adults, one child, and a teen. Mm. So you can have like a house of four and you can all watch at the same time. It doesn't matter. So there's no limits on that in regards to pricing. Mm-hmm. But you're limited in how many people can actually jump on. So if me, you, and both of our girlfriends want to be on the uh, plan together, like, we would have to have essentially just two adult plans yep. and then we wouldn't be able to use the, the rest. And that's kind of the limit of it, but it is what it is. But it To me, it kind of makes up for it with mm-hmm. the fact that you can have concurrent streams right. without paying more. And uh, I think another really cool thing that Amazon does do as well is they have the Amazon Prime student membership. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do for that is include kind of like your uh, .edu email address that you get at your university, college, technical college, community college, no matter what. If you're attending some type of university or uh, higher education and you have that email, you can use it and you pay $749 a month That's or awesome. you can pay $69 per year. Which I remember back in the day when I was an undergrad, it was like $49, I think, for the it year. Was. And so I was all about that. I got the, the Amazon Prime for $49 a year. I took full advantage. Yeah, my sister had that. And then she graduated because uh, I think they ended that two years ago. And she graduated the year that it ended that way. Mm-hmm. So And then the price went up, of yep. course. 
and it was it'll start with one. So talk about price increases. It's gone up twenty dollars for students. That it's supposed to be a benefit for students and it's still <laughs> gone up. We're paying one thirty nine a year, at least I am. I do the annual subscription. I'm paying one thirty nine a year. I remember it was one nineteen, so it's going up for all of us. Right. Um, moving on to one of the newer streaming options because it did uh, debut, I believe, in 2020, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which was Disney+. Plus. Now, Disney+, Plus also has some bundling options because we know that the big corporation that is Disney uh, owns things like ESPN and they now own a majority stock in Hulu. Yes. So you can get kind of these bundled packages, and we'll talk more about that. Mm-hmm. But currently, Disney+, Plus is at $8 per month with ads. I remember back when it was six ninety nine. so... Going up even days, right? those days. So you could pay $8 a month for ads and then $11 per month for ad-free streaming. Uh, the annual membership for ads is $110. Um, or sorry, the ad-free plan is $110. Uh, so it saves you about $22 a year if you pay it annually. Yeah. Uh, with the Disney, Hulu, ESPN bundle, uh, ESPN Plus specifically, you can get all these bundled, uh, but that does include the ad versions. I think yeah. it's an important stipulation for, for Disney Hulu. and Hulu. Um, and that is $13 per month if you get that bundle. Yes. Gary, what do you think of this kind of bundled Disney Plus plan, what they're doing with their pricing? So Disney Plus, I'm kind of, I'm more so on the positive side of. But I'm still somewhat on the fence just because of the fact of the ad free and ad versions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the thing I'm not a huge fan of with streaming. I thought that streaming was going to be kind of like the biggest draw away from mm-hmm. is with ads, but they have to make money somehow, I guess. Because one of the things I do love about Disney, same reason I love Amazon, the concurrent streams. Disney is not like, oh, we need to cut on you know people using all the like you get to share a whole plan with like 10 people with disney like they don't make you pay more or anything like that because of that Mm -hmm. it's okay you want 10 people on your plan cool you get these 10 people all 10 y'all can watch disney plus at the same time and it works yeah no it's kind of the beauty of it is that as of right now as of the time (laughs) of this recording disney and Amazon have not taken advantage of the streaming's uh, concurrent streams yet, but let's hope that does not change. Um, I personally really enjoyed as well because if you are someone who does enjoy sports, uh, having ESPN Plus kind of bundled in uh, is great. I also have Verizon currently myself, and Verizon does yes. have the kind of Disney bundle included in. So if you have one of the higher tiered uh, carrier plans with Verizon, you can get things like this Disney bundle included in your plan, yes. which is really really nice. And I signed up back when they didn't have the the ad free or the ad included version, so I still have ad free, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I think yeah, if you're someone who like wants to be able to get the most out of your money, if you're going to be paying for one of these streaming services to watch television or movies, I definitely recommend Amazon and Disney simply because you can get these kind of bundled options. Yeah, and something I want to mention before we jump to the next one, I think next one we're going to talk about is Hulu. Um, with the Disney bundle, you can add on. Um, an additional like two or three dollars for Hulu to be ad free as well. Oh, very nice. Yeah. The more you know. Uh, moving on to just Hulu by itself, right? Like, say you don't really care for Disney or you don't really need ESPN, so you want to play, you know, pay for them separately. Mm-hmm. If you're going to just have Hulu nowadays uh, with ads, it currently costs uh, $8 per month, or you can do $80 a year as a plan. Um, and then the, um, Kind of the the no ads plan goes from eight dollars for the ads included to fifteen dollars per month. Now I pay for this one. I pay for ad free because I love Hulu's content. I think they have a lot of great uh, uh, shows that you would see on cable or on uh, like a Dish or Directv that mm-hmm. are pretty much there the next day, which is really nice. I know FX, the channel FX, has a direct line to Hulu, so you know shows like Abbott Elementary and The Bear, all of that are exclusive to Hulu now because of their partnership with FX. Yeah. Um, so that's really interesting to see. Uh, and now Hulu is kind of coming out with more of its own original shows uh, and, and a lot of documentaries. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's really good for documentaries, honestly. Yeah. But uh, so the, there's the $15 a month plan, uh, and they do have things like, uh, you know, you can do like a free streaming trial. Um, I do know that Hulu also comes with a live TV option. But before yes. we mention that, Gary, what are your thoughts on Hulu? Um, so something that we're, I'm looking at as we're looking through this information on Hulu, uh, and this is actually one thing I actually praise Netflix for, because this is something that Netflix does probably better than most other streamers, is giving the option. Uh, opportunity to download the content and watch it on the go. Mm -hmm. Um, I just traveled up to Chicago 
and being able to be on a flight and just watch whatever I wanted to watch that I downloaded uh, was huge from Netflix. With Hulu, you can only get that if you paid the $15 a month plan, mm-hmm. which I think that's kind of that's kind of messed up. But at the same time, I understand it. Is But at the same time, I'm just like, you're already paying for the streaming service in general. But overall, Hulu is probably one of the better um, streaming services just in regards to what they offer for what you pay. Like $15 a month, you get, what is it, like five, four or five uh, concurrent streams. Yep. Um, And then you get the live TV option included with that for the same thing. So Mm -hmm. that's cool. And plus you get live sports too. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I will say that I think has been a benefit to Hulu since its inception has been the fact that things like NBC shows, ABC shows, Fox shows, it was basically like Hulu when when Netflix was getting big and Hulu was kind of like that next second streamer to kind of come to the, yeah. the fray. You saw that Hulu was getting a lot of these network shows that were then premiering on Hulu kind of as the, the season would, would wear on. Now, something that I'm interested to see happen, because I've already noticed it with NBC since NBC developed Peacock is now that these other network uh, television uh, channels are developing their own streaming services, they're pulling their content from Hulu. So now you're actually seeing less and less content on Hulu as far as like outside of their own original content. Like we talked about with Abbott Elementary, Only Murders in the Building, also The Handmaid's Tale. So all these are great Hulu originals. But now you're seeing less things like, I remember you used to be able to kind of binge all the the Law and Orders on Hulu. Or if you, you know, kind of wanted to watch uh, another ABC show show or something like how i met your mother yeah. a lot of these things are now being reallocated to uh networks or uh streaming streaming services like peacock so that is kind of like the thing that i always praise hulu for is its entire catalog which mm-hmm. is changing drastically now yeah and speaking on that um i don't know if people have watched this i don't know if you've watched this but uh the show runaways and then the show cloak and dagger okay. both of those were originally on freeform mm-hmm. Uh, they only had like two or three seasons each, but after they wrapped up, they were available specifically on Hulu. That's where I watched them. Since Disney really took back all of its content, they have moved over to Disney Plus and they're no longer on Hulu. I wonder, because Disney owns Hulu now and everything, for the most part. Is that going to change with the information that we're finding out more about how Disney is trying to consolidate Disney mm-hmm. Plus and Hulu? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's been rumors that Disney and since uh, Bob uh, Iger has come back out of retirement and he is now Disney's CEO once again, there is rumors that not only is Disney, of course, cutting jobs, but they're also trying to consolidate uh, Disney Plus and Hulu, uh, which uh, my understanding is in, in uh, other first world nations like uh or countries in general and like in Europe, they already have a form of this called stars. Yes. Which is what they call it. And it's already kind of a mix of Disney and then Hulu. So they're trying to do something like that similar here. But what I'm anxious to see is because you also heard that, you know, they might want to sell off their share of Hulu mm-hmm. and kind of do away with that. So it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to combine some of the content or if they're going to sell off a lot of the content. Yeah. And then like, where are those shows going to end up? We don't know. Right. So all of this is co- of course, very fluid and changing. Uh, but if you are interested at all in the kind of the live TV option, uh, say you kind of want to see, you know, your, your favorite uh, sports or, uh, you know, live television shows as they air, Hulu does have the live TV option. It starts at $70 per month uh, for uh, with ads, of course, and it has 85 popular channels uh, that you can also kind of record and have access to. Uh, this is outside of the whole like Disney bundle thing. So if you are interested at all in that, uh, that is an option uh, that I don't currently have, but I've heard good things. Yeah. Moving on to... Kind of one of the the last really big streamers is Apple TV Plus, which is also another new, fairly new streamer. I feel like with uh, um, Disney Plus and with Apple TV Plus and with Peacock, all of these have come out within like the last three or four years. So they're yeah, all they fairly are. recent. Uh, Apple TV Plus currently, uh, the monthly subscription is only $6.99 per month. So it is on more of kind of the affordable side. Right. Uh, you can do a seven day free trial. Um, and also fun fact, if you buy a new Apple device, say you get a new iPhone, yes. you get a new MacBook. I don't know if it applies to things like their gadgets, like with, uh, Apple watches, but maybe no, it's just the, uh, phones, the tablets, uh, and the computers. Okay. So the most expensive stuff you can buy, <laughs> Apple, you can get three months free of yeah. Apple TV plus. <laughs> 
So you might have seen that if you bought a new iPhone recently. Right. Uh, but yeah, you, you can sign up for that, uh, get that. And, you know, they have some some classic originals like Ted Lasso. Uh, I believe The Morning Show is on there, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken, or some type of news show uh, that's that has uh, Jennifer Aniston in it. And uh, if, if you're a fan of that, and I'm butchering the name, I apologize. But <laughs> um, that's another big show. So, you know, Apple TV is starting to kind of develop their own kind of brand mm-hmm. where they're bringing in a lot of uh, big name actors uh, to do some of their content. Gary, what do you think of Apple TV Plus? Um, I don't use Apple TV Plus, but I love their commercials. The John Hamm commercial. Yeah. That one is iconic. Um, but honestly, for me, Apple TV Plus got on the map with uh, the movie C. Yeah. Or is that a TV series? And it's a TV series with Jason yeah. Momoa. Yeah. That series made me want to get Apple TV Plus. Mm-hmm. And when I bought my new phone, I almost used Apple TV Plus for the three-month free trial. But um, yeah. I will say the price for Apple TV Plus is great. Um, and then you get Apple One, which includes not ju- not only Apple TV Plus, but you get um, the the game yeah. options. A- Apple Arcade, Apple yeah, Music. Apple Arcade, all that with yeah. the $16.95, which is phenomenal value because yeah. you get streaming music, streaming games, and then streaming TV and movies all mm-hmm. in one price of less than 17 bucks. That's phenomenal. Right. And kind of another cool thing that I, I've only, we've only seen with uh, Amazon is that Apple also does a music uh, student plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you do that, it's a discounted uh, price for their Apple Music. Um, and it comes with a free subscription to Apple TV+. Plus. So I remember also when I was an undergrad, uh, I remember in 2015 specifically because I I think I hadn't like had a music streaming service before that. I know everyone was kind of hopping on the Spotify bandwagon. Yeah. I was very kind of late to that, so I didn't sign up for Spotify. But then I remember they announced Apple Music. And I got Apple Music right away because I was able to get the discounted student plan. And I paid like five bucks per month. It was amazing. So I highly recommend if you're a student to definitely take advantage of, of any of these uh, services that offer that. But personally, I'm a big Apple Music fan. So, you so, know, Apple One sounds like a really good deal if you're going to watch Apple TV+. Plus. Yeah, uh, I've been tempted to get Apple One a few times. I'm not yeah. going to lie about that. But at the same time, I don't have any shows on Apple TV Plus that I want to see right now. Now that might change because I've heard good things yeah. about Ted Lasso. Me too. I've heard good. Things. I've taken a few writing classes, um, and the sh- uh, show that they use for every writing class is always Ted Lasso. Yep. Jason Sudeikis. How can you not love him? Right. All right. Uh, moving on to some of these newer uh, network branded shows, right? So when we think of the big networks, we think of ABC, CBS, NBC. So NBC, uh, I think this is only two or three years old, mm-hmm. has recently unveiled Peacock, which Peacock is the service that you may have heard that made you really, really mad <laughs> when you found out that The Office and things like Brooklyn Nine-Nine yeah. and Law and & Order, all of these services were leaving um, Hulu and they were leaving Netflix and they were going to Peacock. And everyone was like, wait a minute, what? Another streaming service? Why do they call it Peacock? That's kind of a weird name. Right. Why don't you just call it NBC Plus? Nope, they didn't want to call it that. They said, you know what? You know that like little Peacock fan that you see at, the, uh, at every NBC logo? You see it at Rockefeller Center in downtown New York City. We should do that. So they called it Peacock, which... More power to you. Uh, But this is NBC's streaming service that has all those classic shows like Parks and Rec, The Office, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And so if you want to watch those shows, you got to have Peacock. Uh, Peacock currently is at $4.99 a month, and that's uh, with ads. Without ads, you can get it for $9.99 a month. And this includes kind of all NBC content. You can get your your local NBC channel, depending on where you live. Mm -hmm. Uh, You'll get that uh, as far as uh, like a live channel included with all of these uh, kind of hit shows. Uh, Gary, what are your thoughts on Peacock? Um, I was one of the people that was upset about Peacock when it first was announced. We Um, all were. Not because of The Office or any of those other shows. My show is actually on Amazon Prime and I can still watch it on there. So I'm okay with it. I was upset with Peacock because I didn't understand the purpose of having a whole new streaming service where these shows were available on other streaming platforms. But the thing I like about Peacock, one, it's way more affordable than most of the other streaming services outside of uh, Apple. Then two, even if you get the ad uh, included plan, you can watch your sports, which is great. Um, If you want to watch live TV and things like that, the $10 a month isn't bad, 
Um, and then also with this, you get concurrent streams. I've had plenty of times where me, my mom, and my sisters are all watching something from Peacock at the same time and no issues with that. So um, I pay for the $10 a month one because it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And I, I like it, honestly. Peacock is, is definitely one of my favorites. Um, the show that I've watched on there most of the time is Psych. I love that show. They have it's your favorite show? It, that show got me through dark times. <laughs> I understand. Um, yeah, I I have Peacock as well, but I see I did probably the most like cost effective method. Mm -hmm. uh, Peacock last year in 2022 had a Black Friday deal. Oh, uh, yeah. And it was uh, their Black Friday deal was you could do uh, nine, uh, 99 cents per month. So like literally a cent less than a dollar. Uh, you could pay that per month for a whole year. So nice. I had that set up where I plan on keeping that for as long as possible. <laughs> and then maybe after that year is up, I might be canceling it. I don't know. But I do enjoy it for things like Parks and Rec. Uh, you know, my, my wife and I have kind of since gone back and we've we've rewatched uh, some some classic Parks and Rec. So there's a lot of nostalgia there as far as like a lot of their own great content. Um, outside of some of these shows that we've already mentioned, um, I don't really see the benefit in it. Like yeah. it, it's great because you do have, I mean, NBC has some legendary shows, but is it worth paying four ninety nine? Is it worth paying nine ninety nine? I guess that's up to you if you're a big NBC fan. Yeah. And the thing about, and this is actually something that uh, the CW does as well, which theirs is actually free, but on Peacock, um, if I remember, if I remember correctly, once it airs live on NBC, it goes to Peacock the next day. Yeah. So if you watch any shows that are currently on NBC or whatever, you can, if you're unable to watch it the day of, you can watch it the next day, literally at midnight. Right. And honestly, I would say if you're going to go with one of these big network streamers like a Peacock um, or like a Paramount Plus, I do see uh, a lot of benefit in getting the ad version because yeah. once, you know, for one, you're going to pay significantly less. And if you're already mostly watching it to get that one live channel or to get a few live channels, it's you're here's the thing. If you pay for the ad free version of any of these uh, network based streaming services and then you watch live TV, you're still going to get ads anyway. Right. That's the only big caveat. So like for me personally, I have Paramount Plus, which is going to be the next one that we talk about. And I enjoy it. Uh, because I like to watch like the late show with Stephen Colbert. And so with that, it includes ads anyway. So I'm like, I'm not going to pay for the ad free version when I'm just watching this. <laughs> right. You know, there's just no point. Uh, so speaking of which, we're moving on now to Paramount Plus, which is the uh, other big network streamer. Uh, and this is, uh, you can get uh, Paramount Plus currently for $4.99 a month with limited commercials. They say limited, but you still got to watch like a minute and a half of commercials. Right. I'm just saying. Sometimes two minutes. Exactly. It's crazy. Uh, and then you can also do the commercial free option, which is $9.99 a month. Um, and then if you want to do a Showtime bundle, because uh, CBS Viacom, which owns Paramount, uh, they also own Showtime, which is that long lost forgotten direct TV bonus channel that your parents paid for. Right. Nobody watches Showtime, but all right. <laughs> that was the adults. That was the uh, adult and kid friendly one. Right. So if you want to get the Paramount Plus Showtime bundle, that's eleven ninety nine. So Gary, what are your thoughts on Paramount Plus? Uh, I use Paramount Plus for one thing, one thing only. When I'm in the mood to binge watch Criminal Minds. Yep. Other than that, I don't use Paramount Plus unless for some reason I cannot watch my Steelers games. Yep. Then I have to go to Paramount Plus. And if it's not on there, then I just give up on life. Yeah. No, and that's the one benefit is that a lot of like major uh, sports are going to be premiering on like things like NBC and CBS. And where can you watch those? Peacock. You can also watch them on Paramount Plus. So most NFL games, if you're a big football fan, are going to be premiering on your local CBS station. So you can get that if you have any version of Paramount Plus, you can watch your local game. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can also watch these big primetime games as they premiere on them. So I do think it's a, it's a nice benefit. One thing that I do like that I see more from Paramount Plus than necessarily Peacock. Mm -hmm. And I know Peacock is starting to create their own content exclusively. But I really like that Paramount Plus, they did kind of the reboot with Jordan Peele for The Twilight Zone. Right. Where Jordan Peele was kind of the host of that. Um, and they've, they've also recently done Picard, which I know a lot of people have if they're a big Star Trek fan to see uh, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart back in the role of Picard. Um, and then they also have Halo, which yes. if you're a big Xbox person, then you know you might want to check out Halo on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, I've heard mixed things on Halo. Um, I've heard really good things about Picard. It almost actually makes me want to watch it myself. 
Yeah, um, Paramount Plus, honestly, for the limited commercial aspect of it, it's not bad. And I don't think there's much of a difference between the two outside of just the, the commercials. Because yeah. you still get live TV with Paramount Plus uh, with the four ninety nine version. So it's worth it just for that in and of itself. Right. So those are kind of our big, you know, main streamers, right? Like Netflix, Hulu, Prime. Uh, and then you have, you know, your your broadcasters or your big kind of like TV networks. They have their streaming services. And we may have left, you know, one or two of those out. But those were kind of the main core ones, right? right. Now kind of moving on, we, we do want to mention briefly, even though Gary and I personally don't use them, uh, there are also these live TV options, right? So if you're looking for cutting the cord, no more cable, no more direct TV, no more dish, you're done with all that. Because I, let, let's be frank, in this day and age with streaming, you don't really need to have dish TV. You don't need to have cable. It's just kind of like an extra piece of baggage. Even if you're, you know, your, your Wi-Fi provider tries to get you to buy a bundle, don't do it. And to be honest, most of the good content is on streaming. Exactly. So the shows that are talked about the most, Ted Lasso, Stranger Things, Mandalorian, all that stuff. That's right. Disney Plus. That's Hulu. That's exactly. uh, Amazon. All that stuff. There's very little that's on regular cable TV that is really good. Like right. Fire Country, maybe? Yes. <laughs> Fire Country, which is also on Paramount Plus. There you go. See? <laughs> it's, also, it's a CBS show. Um, but I guess we want to briefly talk about this. So we did mention Hulu with live TV. There's also Sling, right? So Sling is that uh, that random live channel streaming service that you hear about when you're watching the Super Bowl. Right. And you're like, what the heck is Sling? And it's that thing that your grandparents signed up for because they didn't know that it wasn't Netflix. Uh, that is what Sling TV is. <laughs> That's that's the Wish version of it. Exactly. Sling is Wish Netflix. You heard it here first. <laughs> and now we're going to get sued. No. <laughs> Sling, don't you dare do it. Well, I'll um, say sponsor our next video. Um, Sling. Next video sponsored by Sling. <laughs> All right. Um, Sling TV currently has a few different color options, which is weird for yeah. their, their, their ad tiers or their channel tiers, I should say. So they have Sling Orange and Sling Blue. Sling Orange is $40 a month and it has 31 live channels. And Sling Blue uh, has the uh, 41 channels, plus you get two different packages for channel lineups. Uh, you can also pay f uh, a Sling uh, Blue and Orange pack, uh, which is $55 per month, and you have a total of 47 channels. So this allows you to get some of like those big channels like Comedy Central, TNT, ABC, NBC, kind of like all those big uh, also networks. And then you can do like add-on packages to it. So if you want exclusive live television, like the same thing that you would have on DirecTV, but you you don't necessarily care about streaming, then this would kind of be your option. Yeah. To be honest, uh, only time I ever consider getting Sling is when uh, NFL season comes around mm -hmm. because Sling also has a sports version mm -hmm. uh, that comes with one of their packages that allows you to get kind of almost, I want to say it's like, NFL Sunday ticket, but it's like it allows you to get the local channels that specifically are in those areas okay. so that you can watch those games. I've been tempted like a couple times to get it for that specific purpose, but it's never worth it. Yeah. Agreed. So not a big sling person, but hey, if, if you want it, you know, you got you have the opportunity and you know a little bit more about it. Um, last but not least with these live television options, there is YouTube TV, uh, which I know kind of the big thing with YouTube TV is now they also have the agreement with the NFL and NFL Sunday ticket. Mm -hmm. So if you are a big sports fan or if you're a big football fan. Uh, instead of you know having to subscribe to DirecTV to get NFL Sunday Ticket, now you have to do it through YouTube TV. And YouTube TV, uh, which of course is owned by Google, has a few different options there where you can kind of just get your NFL Sunday Ticket package or you can get your YouTube TV package. Mm -hmm. uh, now kind of talking about some of that pricing. Uh, so currently it's uh, $73 per month is kind of the lowest uh, tiered option for YouTube TV. Uh, if you kind of want to do uh, add-ons depending on what channels you want to do because they do have Spanish language channels that you can include, a lot of Spanish language uh, sports channels as well. Um, they are included uh, for if you want to get closer to $77 per month with the second tiered option. Gary, what do you think of YouTube TV? YouTube TV is actually pretty enticing just because it kind of gives you a combination of different things. Like we talked about Paramount Plus and Peacock being kind of like the uh, TV 
streamer version where you know you get the live strip live tv then go straight to streaming or vice versa whatever youtube tv is kind of like that hybrid between that and like the netflix and disney plus and all that because you do get a lot of like on-demand type stuff on youtube tv plus you get the live streaming version um also i mean you get live sports and stuff with that as well so youtube tv is very enticing that's 70 dollars a month though it's that's steep it is it's it, apparently the price has been rising for some time like i remember back when it was uh, you know offered for like 59 and then it was 69 dollars yeah. per month so youtube i know has gotten a lot of backlash because the fact that it keeps increasing these prices and it likes to try to say well you get this in 4k it's live you can get more and more channels so it seems like as they're allowed to add more and more channels like a direct tv they keep increasing prices yeah. so i have heard a lot of benefits to this at the same time and this goes across the board also for hulu as well as sling the the caveat that i've heard about some of these live tv streaming options is that they buffer a lot yeah. even if you have really really good internet at home and you have like a gigabyte speed or 800 gig, 800 megabits per second um no matter how good your internet is it's the service itself that lags a lot it, it, it buffers a lot i think that's been the one thing that has like kept me from getting it yeah same and just to kind of nerd out on the tech side of it it's really just the bandwidth that they have for their service there i don't believe they're using full fiber uh copper fiber optic cables for broadcasting the uh programming so once it reaches a certain um bandwidth um range then it starts to just break up and cause issues with uh, broadcast. So if they can find a technology that allows them to stream out to hundreds of millions of people at a time, at the same time, <laughs> then they'll be able to fix the bandwidth issue. But until then, live TV should probably stick with cable and that dish. Honestly, and that's saying something because if, if a giant worldwide company like Google can't figure out how to stop buffering, like, can any of us? Like, right. is it possible? So <laughs> as of right now, yeah, I mean, certainly buy it at your own risk. I don't believe it's, you know, you're locked under a contract, but no. it is something to check out if you are kind of looking for that, you know, dishless option, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of like our our overview, and I know I initially said that this was kind of brief. It was probably <laughs> anything but, but we, we did kind of want to go through those uh, major streaming options as the prices currently stand because they know that, you know, or we know that those prices have been changing from year to year. Netflix used to be, you know, $4 or $5 per month, and we see that it has already ballooned to $20 and, yeah. and kind of to see what has happened there. And so I wanted to talk about kind of like, these options as far as what it's done for artists. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Gary, uh, you know, my friend, you are a writer. I'm an actor. Uh, we, we both kind of collaborated on the, the writing side as well. Uh, we know that, that streaming is great because it is on demand. Mm -hmm. We know that it has changed television. It has changed the way that actors look at what roles to get because you used to have movie actors that would only do film mm -hmm. and they would rarely break into TV. Now you're seeing this great kind of uh, overlap where a lot of big name you know, studio film guys are going over to do streaming and vice versa. So now it's so much more fluid. It has given actors and writers and producers and so many people, so many of opportunities. Yeah. But in your opinion, what is, what have you seen from streaming that has been both a benefit and a hindrance to the industry? The biggest benefit has been also the biggest hindrance, but the biggest benefit has been that it's given a lot of smaller lesser known actors, the benefit of becoming household names. Mm -hmm. But it's also limited it, those same small lesser known actors because, for example, a show like Stranger Things probably, well, not even probably, but it would have never come out 10 years ago without streaming. We would have never seen actors like Millie Bobby Brown or you know some of the other characters in the show get any type of recognition mm -hmm. from that show because of streaming. But at the same time, like we look at uh, the actor who plays Mike on there, like he's been in a few things here and there mm -hmm. outside of Stranger Things. He hasn't blown up as much as Millie Bobby Brown right. because she's now in Enola Holmes and so many other movies and things that are coming out. So to me, the biggest benefit acting wise specifically is the same thing that's hindering it. It's, mm -hmm. You know, these people get recognition and acclaim, but it is limited to, I guess, who, pe who the studio maybe mm -hmm. is drawn to. 
because we see Netflix is using Millie Bobby Brown in almost everything that they try to push out. Right. Um, writing wise, though, it's been great for writers. Yeah. But at the same time, and we're going to definitely talk about this, it's been a problem for writers. It has. Um, it's been great for writers in regards to getting more staffing opportunities mm -hmm. because, you know, with, with so many streaming options, they have to come up with new shows. They can't all hire the same writers. Right. Because you can only have, like, literally one writer can only work on one show at a time. Yeah. So it allows the writer, more writers to be brought in, allows the writer rooms to, unfortunately, though, be smaller. Yeah. Which kind of is also the problem is right. the writer's rooms are smaller, so the opportunities are much more cutthroat. Right. Yeah, and I think Darren has has kind of caused a problem is that I think that that streaming has really oversaturated the market. So yes. the New York Times recently talked about this. Uh, and if you're a fan of, of our podcast and you like kind of listening, I also highly recommend The Daily. A yes. little New York Times plug there. <laughs> uh, but so the, the Daily talked about this as well, that uh, so streaming kind of has changed the game in the sense that, you know, in kind of an average year, you would have maybe like 250 or, or less shows pitched. Yeah. Right. So when streaming really blew up, you were seeing over 300 shows being kind of thrown into all of these different various streaming sites. And so the market became oversaturated, which caused a lot of companies to lose money. It caused a lot of companies uh, to uh, kind of lose out on, on that uh that benefit because they were taking uh, risks essentially on all of these shows because they would usually green light an entire season yeah. instead of just a show. So what you were seeing is you were rarely seeing pilots like it used to be with, with television before streaming became big is that you would have a show do its test pilot, right? Yeah. Which was just the first episode and you would see how it would do. And if it did successful and, and you had a lot of people kind of tuning in and talking about it, a lot of good reviews, then the entire season would get picked up, mm -hmm. which what you were seeing, would kind of change through Netflix is that they were green lighting entire seasons and they were putting out seasons, which is why I feel like we see so many shows getting canceled on streaming services now, especially Netflix is because they're green lighting an entire season and then the season bombs, or maybe they don't get as many viewers as they were expecting. And then they just invested 50 to a hundred million dollars in that show. And then it doesn't make them any money. So as selfish as these streamers can come across, I do understand from a financial standpoint to a degree, right? To a degree, yeah where it's a benefit uh, for the viewer. Like it's never been a better time for us to watch TV because there's so much content. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, these studios have taken risks, which there incurs why we're in the middle of this WGA writer strike, because writers now are seeing that they're not ta attached to a whole season anymore. They might be hired on to write one or two episodes, maybe yeah. three episodes in a season and they're gig workers. So they're looking for the next job opportunity. Right. And then the residuals, which I know we've talked about before, actors, aren't getting the same residuals when their episodes are constantly being streamed on these services instead of the episode re-airing on television where they used to be able to kind of live off of that for a few months. You're not right. seeing that anymore. Yeah. And my biggest issue with this whole thing, honestly, and you and I have talked about this off air before, but I'm going to bring this to the podcast. My biggest issue with streaming services like Netflix is they green light a whole series, a whole season. They then signed a contract with uh, Jupiter Rising, for example. It got really good reviews. Didn't get watched within the two-week span that Netflix uh, tracks. Canceled. And it's like, and I think we should do an episode about this one day. Talking about the benefit of binge watching compared to weekly watching. Yeah. Because a show like Jupiter Rising or Stranger Things, I think, would benefit from a weekly viewing right because then you get people talking about the cliffhangers you get people talking about the different easter eggs you get people talking about the way the writing the character things all of that and it keeps the buzz going and it gets right. people tuned in and allows the streaming services like we see with uh hbo max doing did with the last of us and some of their other shows it, it allows people to stay more tuned in right and then it keeps your viewership at a steady pace exactly Compared to this binge watch that they did with Jupiter Rising, right, and they didn't get the certain amount because I think it was like less than a hundred million people watched it yeah. within that two week span, which two weeks is not enough time to no. give people to watch something, especially if you're going to drop an entire what, what was it, like 
10 episodes yeah. in, in a day. Like that's, that's not enough time. And if you've noticed now Netflix is even changing their model and they started this with the last season of Stranger Things, yes. which they're, they're, they're breaking up seasons into parts. So you have like a part one and a part two. And so they'll drop like six or seven episodes at a time and then you'll have to wait a month and then they'll drop the second half. So they've done this with Stranger Things. They've done this with you, yeah. um, the, the, the show you. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so they've, they've done this before. And I think Hulu has kind of developed a really good model of this. So I, I watch Handmaid's Tale on, on Hulu and they'll watch, they'll, they'll drop like usually like the first two or three episodes at a time. Mm-hmm. And then they'll start dropping weekly episodes. So what I appreciate about HBO is that since HBO became a streaming service, HBO Max, and now subsequently becoming Max, they have weekly drops because that's what HBO always did. Yeah. Back when HBO was just a channel that you had to purchase, you would have to wait till Sunday night. They were always about their Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. You know, the Sopranos used to come on on Sunday nights and they would release their episodes then. And now you're seeing the same thing with Succession. You're seeing it with The Last of Us and you're seeing it also with Barry yeah. where all of their premium shows are still released at the same time every night, even though now we're in the age of streaming. So I think there is something to to be said about finding a happy middle ground Mm -hmm. where you used to have to wait up for a certain time versus on demand. What I think is really cool that HBO does if you're streaming is that the same time, so 9 p.m. Eastern time is when Succession drops. The soon as the episode starts on HBO, the channel, you can start streaming the episode. Nice. And then you can also, of course, watch it the next day or watch it whenever you want because it's on on demand. So I actually like that because you can also watch it, quote unquote, live like everybody else's versus um, having to only watch it once, mm-hmm. like, like a premiere event or something. So I think that there is a benefit to that. Um, and I, I just, I would personally kind of taking it back to the artists. Uh, I would personally like to see obviously the, the WGA and SAG-AFTRA kind of get the benefit of how much is changing with streaming. Like this still needs to, at the end of the day, come back to the writers, come back to the actors, uh, because they are the people at the forefront of this exactly. that make the magic happen. Um, so yeah, I think that the industry needs to change to accommodate this. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I hope that, you know, we can see some of that kind of like settling down mm-hmm. as time goes on. And hopefully by the time the uh, the strike and everything is over, like we get to see, okay, the writers and the actors, and I believe the directors are coming up as well. All of them are going to be able to benefit from the the change in how TV viewing is done Mm -hmm. with, you know, better pay and better residuals that come from that. Yeah. That's the main thing. So uh, Gary and I, as always fully support uh, the the writers guild of America, both East and West and their endeavors. And if you know, you're listening and you're involved with uh, the writers guild at all, you know, know that we support you. Uh, We we believe in in fair compensation uh, and that, you know, your, your needs are met. Same thing with SAG-AFTRA recently, they have uh, greenlit the opportunity to have a strike if negotiations fall through this summer. So later this summer, SAG-AFTRA, which uh, the screen actors guilds, uh, is for all actors that participate in any Hollywood feature films have to be a part of this union. Uh, Same thing for the Writers Guild of America. And so they are in talk for renewed negotiations as well with some of these streamers and big studios. So all of this is really coming to the forefront uh, at the way that entertainment has changed because of streaming. So you kind of understand the, the different costs now with that as well as kind of the benefits of it. So really it's up to you. I realize kind of if you were to have all of these streaming services, it's expensive. You're going to be probably paying as much as you did if you had DirecTV or Dish. Yeah. So it's important to kind of weigh your, your cost options, weigh what you enjoy watching, weigh what kind of content you like, and pick what's best from there. Yeah, and one last thought on that. Um, this is another reason why I am so against what Netflix is trying to do with breaking up the you can't share your uh, password. password stuff because it costs $19 to have four concurrent streams with, no, I'm sorry, it costs $20 to get Netflix for with four concurrent streams. It costs $15.99 to get ad-free Hulu. It costs what $15.99 to get ad-free Disney Plus. Um, you're looking at another $17.99 for HBO Max. Right there, that's over 50 bucks yep. just for all of that. Yep. That's not including Paramount Plus. That's not including Peacock. That's not including YouTube TV. We, If we were able to just share amongst each other, we'd be able to break up that cost so that not 
one person is going broke just trying to pay for streaming. And the crazy part about that is that Netflix used to encourage families to share passwords. Yep. Like there was only marketing that was like, oh, cancel at any time, you know, let your kids have it. And you would go to college or yep. you would you would move across the country and you would still get to use your parents' password. So it is crazy that Netflix has changed that. It is. Um, but that's the, the world we live in. We're, we're seeing how how greedier these studios are getting. And, you know, yes, their, their costs and their bottom lines have changed. But, you know, the, the, the whole uh, business model has changed. And I think that they need to account for that. Exactly. Um, but those are kind of like our thoughts on the streaming wars. Um, so uh, certainly uh, if you have any of these uh, streamers uh, or these streaming services, definitely let us know in the comments uh, or in the review. Uh, let us know kind of your thoughts on this. Uh, what streaming services do you like to use? Uh, what Which ones have you tried that maybe you don't care for? Definitely let us know. We would love to hear about it because we can talk about it on uh, a future episode with yes. your thoughts. So definitely uh, make sure to let us know your thoughts on the streaming wars and the different different options that are out there. Uh, moving on now to, of course, everyone's favorite moment to wrap yes. up the episode. We're going to be talking about the movie tournament and kind of the, the current standings of the quarterfinals. So uh, Gary, why don't you tell the people uh, who won this week? So uh, last episode we didn't jump or we didn't get the final version for the winners. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to give off who won last week and then we're going to go into who won this week. So last quarterfinals was the South region, and we had Pitch Perfect faced off against 22 Jump Street, Whiplash versus Central Intelligence, The Greatest Showman versus Instant Family, and then Step Brothers versus The Lovebirds. Now, if you listen to the episode, uh, you know, for the most part, the winners were pretty much set, but we always want to give you guys time to finalize the the tournament. So the final results came out to 22 Jump Street over Pitch Perfect, 9 to 6. We got Whiplash over Central Intelligence, 10 to 5. The Greatest Showman over Instant Family, 15 to 1. And then Step Brothers over Lovebirds, 17 to 2. Scott, what are your thoughts so far? You know, honestly, uh, I. I mean, I can't knock it. I'm glad that 22 Jump Street won. Uh, Whiplash winning, also kind of great. Um, to see, obviously, Step Brothers and The Greatest Showman to kind of run away with both of their <laughs> perspective matchups. I'm happy about that, too. So I'm actually very happy with the winners of this bracket, personally. Yeah, uh, I'm not too upset about it, honestly. Honestly, I'm not even upset about it at all. Yeah. Um, I was a little disappointed that um, Instant Family got beat as bad as it did, just because <laughs> I actually do like that movie, but... Um, I'm glad the greatest showman won. So for the South region, the semifinals are set. We got 22 Jump Street facing off against Whiplash. Then we got the greatest showman versus Step Brothers. So that's going to be some interesting matchups. And uh, I'm ready to see what you guys vote for. It's going to be huge. Now, this week's quarterfinals uh, comes from the North region. And am I right? Is it the North yes? It's the North Region. Okay. So we have uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine against Zootopia. Zootopia won that nine to seven, breaking my heart. I'm a big Blade Runner guy. Uh, the Martian versus the Lego Movie two. Uh, so the Martian won twelve to four. Godzilla King of the Monsters versus Kung Fu Panda. Godzilla won only by one. It was nine to eight. Very close. Crazy. And then Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs versus Encanto. Encanto won 12 to 4. Nice. Gary, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm just glad Encanto won, honestly. <laughs> I was a little worried because I felt like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs might have lost or might have won that one. But um, I'm glad it won. I'm actually surprised Zootopia beat out Blade Runner. I honestly you expected it to win, expected uh, Blade Runner to win. But y'all know, my favorite movie. Like my, this is a top five movie for me, The Martian. I love this movie. I'm glad it won. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little heartbroken that Blade Runner 2049 won. You guys know that I love a good futuristic noir story. Uh, I love anything kind of that cyberpunk vibe, and so I loved both of these movies. Zootopia is a great movie too, certainly. Uh, but I am a little uh, sad that it lost. You know, as far as Blade Runner did. So other than that, no, I, I kind of love these other winners. Uh, shout out to Zootopia because it is a, a good one. Mm -hmm. So it'll be uh, kind of exciting to see how that all shakes out in the semifinals for that. 
So uh, you want to talk about our next matchups for the quarterfinals? Yes. So the next quarterfinals, we got Insidious facing off against Man of Steel, Poltergeist versus Deadpool, Hereditary versus Logan. And to me, the biggest matchup of this entire finals, and I didn't expect it to get to this, <laughs> the Dark Knight versus Avengers Infinity War. That's going to be the one I'm watching. Ooh, yes. Yes. So, uh, once again, these uh, voting for the final uh, region of the quarterfinals in the West, and that is opening tomorrow. You know, this episode drops on a Tuesday. This is uh, opening on Wednesday. You will have until Friday evening to vote. But yeah, these are some really big matchups. So make sure to get your vote in. We will, of course, share it across the social medias, include it in the show notes. So if you're listening, um, you know, just kind of have that link saved and ready to go. Uh, Gary, my friend, do you have any final thoughts for today's episode? No, actually, no final thoughts at all. This was a really good one. I have final thoughts. Nice. <laughs> my final thoughts are I'm so happy to be uh, in the same space with you, sharing space and recording this episode together for the first time. Uh, you know, for our listeners, uh, Gary uh, currently lives in South Carolina. Uh, he and I uh, became friends in that state, and I now, of course, live in Chicago. So uh, we haven't been in the same space a lot uh, lately. Uh, but over the years, you know, we still try to try to link up where we can. Uh, we are close friends, so it is it is challenging to to record a podcast across state lines. But you know, we do it every week, weekend and week out. You guys always listen and tune in for it, and we appreciate you. So I'm very happy that this was our first you know, in-person episode together. Um, I, you know, I think we had a great topic to talk about and I, we hope that you guys all enjoyed. Yeah. Hopefully this is either an annual thing or at least a, at the most a monthly thing. Right. Cause that would be amazing. So right. uh, stay tuned to that to find out where Gary moves next. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you guys again for listening. As always, I'm Skylar. And I'm Gary. And this has been the Nerds Inc. Podcast. We will see you guys next week. Hey everyone, this is Skylar with the Nerds Inc. Podcast, here to say thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying our weekly discussions, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Ask us a question, provide your thoughts on our discussions, and we may just talk about it in a future episode. Thanks.